You remember that our Esther series begins next Sunday. Doing good in a hostile world. We're going to be exploring Esther for a number of weeks this fall. We're looking at a wonderful, compelling story from the Old Covenant about how God preserved His people and how His people were faithful in a time of difficulty. I hope that you'll read through the book of Esther, that you'll get engaged in this study so that every Sunday it means more to you. It's richer because you've been in the text thinking about what God speaks to your heart. Today we're going to Mark chapter 12, I think a wonderful passage, twice recorded in Scripture, here in the, at the end of Mark 12 and also in Luke 21. It's an event that happens in the Passion Week of the Lord's life, that last week where He is in Jerusalem at the protest of His friends who knew that the enemies of Jesus wanted to kill him and capture him and they begged him not to go to Jerusalem but he set his face Luke said to go to Jerusalem and he went there and spent that last week and this is one of those things that is recorded from that last significant week of our Lord's life we know of only four instances for sure where Jesus was in the temple I'm sure there are more and some might debate that there are more for sure but we know that he went to the temple when he was eight days old in the arms of his parents who presented him to the Lord. We know that he went to the temple when he debated those teachers and asked them questions, and they were astonished at this young man in his boyhood who evidenced such learning about the Father's house. We know he went to the temple when he cleansed the temple. He took a whip. He overturned the money changers' tables and drove out the livestock and made such a scene in the last week of his life. And we know he was in the temple in this recorded instance when he stationed himself near the temple treasury. Let's read about it. Mark chapter 12, verse 41. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts. But a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything. All she had to live on. May strike us as a curiosity that the Lord Jesus, who taught us to give by saying, Don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, would station himself beside the treasury in the temple. But as a matter of fact, there were other people stationed there as well. 
There was almost a public call to come and see when rich people gave large sums. Sometimes they had the trumpets blowing in the temple compound, announcing that a rich person was about to pour in to the treasury all the money they had collected. And so it was a public spectacle, prompting the Lord Jesus to teach us about giving in secret. And when you give in secret, the Father will reward you openly. But if you give so the trumpets will sound and people will notice, you've got your reward. There's nothing else for you. You get no applause from heaven for this when you have done it for the applause of people. You surrender the applause of God. Here this widow comes. We don't know that Jesus knew who she was. She has two small coins. Maybe you don't realize how small these coins are. When I was in Israel not too long ago, I ran across a fellow who wanted to sell me some coins. He wanted a large price. I gave him a small price, probably too much, but here's a picture of one of the coins that he said was found in that area of the pool of Bethesda. They were excavating that pool. It's a very large pool. They find these coins all the time, by the way. And here's one. I don't know if it's a lepta, the smallest coin they had. They minted it in various ways. On the back, it has a figure that kind of looks like a lepta in one of the pictures that I saw. But you can see it's even smaller than a penny. She has two of these tiny coins that people lost in ancient times and are now dug up in the excavations. And she puts them in the treasury. And Jesus says, this is more. This is more. She put more in the treasury than anybody today. He says she put in everything. Jesus commends the person who put in everything. So I want to challenge you today, all right, in faithfulness to the teaching of Jesus and the Word of God. Put in everything. Everything. Put it all in. Everything you are, everything you have, everything you ever hope to be. This is the call of God. This is the teaching of Jesus. This is what Jesus did for you when he surrendered his life to the executioners and died upon the cross. You put in everything just as he laid down his life for you. You laid down your life on his behalf as well. Put in everything. Nothing else will do. Nothing else is enough. Put in everything. Nobody comes to God seeking salvation and wanting to negotiate. Lord, I want to be in heaven one day, but I don't want it to cost me everything. Could I get three pounds of God today? I just want enough to get in the gate, God. 
What would that cost me? You don't come to God negotiating, working him down from his price, all right? You don't have enough to buy it. His son bought it all. He gave his life for you. This is the exchange. You give your life to him, he gives his life for you. God wants it all. You got to put in everything. And you can't work him down. You can't negotiate it smaller. You can't get heaven for a cheaper price. If you want to be a follower of Jesus, it's as clear as the words on a page. Deny yourself. Take your cross up every day and follow him. That's it. Put in everything. The intensity of it is amazing that a person would do that. That they would put in everything. You say, well, I don't know anybody that put in everything. Oh, there are people who put in everything. There's a couple here today who will soon be in a dangerous part of the world, thousands away miles away from their family and friends, a place they've never been before, sharing the gospel with people in a context you cannot imagine. They're a young couple with connections just like you. And they felt the call of God to do something. And it is their call, their special call from the Savior, and they are putting in everything. Peter said, Lord, we left it all to follow you. And it was true. He left his dad in the boat. He left the shipping, the, the fishing business behind. He left the life he knew, the friends he knew, the income he knew in order to follow Jesus wherever Jesus went. He wrote Jesus a blank check one day and said, Lord, wherever you go, that's where I'm going. He put it all in. That's what Matthew did when he got up from that tax collector's table. He put in everything. And it's what you must do as well. You may not know it, but you are in a room with people who have put in everything. Paul said, I do all things for the sake of the gospel. A life oriented in this way, whether I am a physician or a businessman or an engineer. I do all things for the sake of the gospel. I mean all things, all things for the sake of the gospel that, that God might receive glory from my life, that the word of God might be known around the world, that the name of Jesus might be exalted in my community and in the world where I live. I put in everything, every day, in every way, 24-7, seeking to advance the cause of Christ. Everything's in. Put in everything. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all for the glory of God. God, that you might receive glory, that you might be pleased. Everything I do. See, the lordship of Jesus is you bringing it all under his authority. You don't hold back anything. And if you consciously hold back anything, you're not all in. And he wants it all. You remember the rich man that came to Jesus and said, what do I got to do? 
Jesus says, well, you got the commandments. How are you doing on those? Oh, I've kept those since I was a young person. Well, you only lack one thing. What's that, Jesus? Sell everything you have. Sell it all. Give it away. Come follow me. And you will have riches in heaven. The scripture says he went away sad at this news. I hope nobody leaves the room sad today. This is the best news you'll ever hear. That the God who made you, who gives you your next heartbeat and your next breath, to whom you owe everything about who you are, what you can do, your intellect, your hands, your feet, your opportunities. This God has life for you in exchange for your acknowledgement of his passionate love in sending his son. He'll give you his spirit and a place at his table, a room in the Father's house for you when you put in everything. It's non-negotiable. The intensity, the integrity of it, you see its integrity, do you not? Because if God is God, what less would do? I mean, what less could you give if God is God? If he's God, then it's all his, right? So it's, it's the only position of integrity. If God is God and he has sent his son to rescue us, then all is what I must give, my all, to him who gave his all for us. It is faithfulness, it is honesty, it is passion. It is your surrender to the God who has provided for you. Put in everything. You want the commendation that Jesus gave this widow? Put in everything. You want to follow the example that Jesus highlights on this day? Put in everything. Now, how do you address that with your worship? Let's say you have confessed to the Lord, all I have and am and will be is yours. I believe that you died on the cross for me and so I surrender my life to you. My identity is that I'm a follower of Jesus. That's who I am. On this planet, every day in every way, I seek to be yours. What do I do in a practical sense when I come to the moment of worship? Do I give the two smallest coins in the currency of my day. And is that a symbol for me that I am all in? Everything, God, is yours. Here are two copper pennies, and I put them in the treasury. Have I done what the widow did? Is two coins enough of an expression? If the rich man who came that day, had put in two copper coins, would they have received the commendation of Jesus? What's unique, what's special about the two copper coins? They represent all 
It's all she had to live on. Did she have more? Yes. She had the clothes on her back. She didn't put those in the treasury, right? She has a place she's going back home to. Maybe she has a chair or a pot or other things that belong to her. So the two coins represent that God owns everything for her. It represents a level of sacrifice for her because it is proportionate to what she possesses. She is not giving out of an abundance of wealth, but out of her poverty. So what would you do to express in a gift that God owns it all, that you put in everything? What would it be? Not two copper coins, I assume that you agree, that that doesn't express the deep gratitude of your heart to God. If the widow put in two coins and the rich man who came to Jesus should sell everything he had and give to the poor and come follow him. What about Zacchaeus who says to Jesus, half of everything I have, I'm giving it away. And Jesus says, salvation's come to your house. Why? Because he gave half? No, because he put everything in. His reputation, his future, his past, everything's in with Zacchaeus. He's now a follower of Jesus. His public identity is that he belongs to Jesus. Jesus is okay with that, and so is Zacchaeus. He put everything in, and he expressed it by half of all that he possessed. You know the word tithes, all right? It's a tenth. It literally means a tenth, tithe. You know where it first occurs in the Bible? With Abraham. Before Moses was even thought of, before there was a law, there was Abraham, the father of the faithful, who in a moment of worship gave 10% of everything he had to Melchizedek, who was priest of the Most High God. It's the first instance of the tithe in the Bible, and it predates the law. When the law was established, it was established that they would give a tenth of their possessions to support the work of the house of worship and the Levites who ministered in that house. Jesus commended the Pharisees for giving their tithe, their tenth. Although they could not buy God off with the tenth, if they withheld from God and those in the room justice and truth and love. God was not satisfied with simply them giving a tenth of everything. He wanted it all, everything. I suggest to you to say thank you to God with your money is proportionate to what you have. And that's why the tenth was established among the people of God in the Old Covenant. And I'm not going to be legalistic with you and say to you that you must give a tenth of your income to the Lord to satisfy Him. I'm saying to you, you've got to put in everything and then find that proportion that expresses everything to God. And it may be for you much more than that. I don't know what it will be for you. 
you may be one of those who says, well, who does this? Gives a tenth of their income to, to the Lord? I mean, who does this? And I say to you, there are hundreds of people in your company right now that do this. This is a practice in the church. People giving significantly of their income to the Lord as a thank you offering unto God for all that he has given. What number would you pick? If you were to just pick it out of the air and say, this would express it for me. This proportion would express it. And if you say, well, I want to express it, but I'm not in a position where I can, then I would suggest to you that you start working towards something that's significant financially for your expression of your love for God, your gratitude for what he's done. A way of saying, God, I put it all in. It's all yours. And this is an indication of it, my gift unto you. It's not the same for everybody. The set amount. It was two pennies for the widow, and it may be for you. But you find that place where it expresses your heart to God. And I believe the tenth is a guide in the age of grace for us to say, as part of my worship, I will give this unto the Lord you say well I want to give my money to God so where do I give it where's Jesus he's in the temple what's he looking at the temple treasury right they're bringing their gifts to the temple treasury In the Old Covenant, they brought their gifts to the house of worship. And I suggest to you that you give where you worship. Give where you worship. Give through your house of worship. Give it as part of your worship to the Lord. You say, well, that's good for you. You're the, you're the main man in the church. But I'm not telling you this self-serving I'm challenging you to do this because this is what the Scripture teaches. Malachi the prophet said, look, bring the tithe into the storehouse. And you say, well, what's the storehouse? That's what it was. It's your house of worship. That there may be food in my house. That's what he says. That's Malachi 3, 8 through 10. You say, well, I don't like this. Okay. You want to give it somewhere else. Let me tell you Why? Primarily, you give your tithe through the house where you worship because you want the gospel to be made known and your Savior to be famous in your community and around the world. And if you're doing all things for the sake of the gospel and you want Jesus to be widely known, this is where you give your tithe. You say, well, I want to feed hungry people, and I think that's admirable, and your church is busy doing that every week. We are seeking to do that. We are profoundly grateful for the opportunity to feed hungry people in this community. You say, well, I'm going to give it to people in the median, and you can do that. I've done that before. I gave a guy $20 once who said he was hungry. 
I saw him a couple hours later sitting with a plastic bag on the curb. He'd bought some vodka at the drive-in grocery, and that's what he was doing with my 20 bucks. You say, well, I throw up my hands. How do you help hungry people? We do the best we can to give them the word of the gospel as we give them food, to engage them face-to-face and eyeball-to-eyeball. If you want to give the hungry, this is what I do. I give to my church. And when somebody says, I'm hungry and I need food, I say, we give out food on Wednesdays. You say, well, that's hard-hearted. I wish you could have been there the Wednesday that one of the guys came up and he says, man, I can't break my drug habit. I can't break my alcohol habit. And I said, how in the world do you afford drugs and alcohol? And he pulled a little sign out of his pocket. You know what it said? Help, need food. Have you got a more secure and better way to give your money than through the house of worship where you know the preacher, you know the staff, you know the people, you know the ministry? Have you you found a more secure way to give than through the house of worship that is involved in your community and sharing the gospel with people who need Jesus? That gives 10% of all it brings in to support missionaries around the world? Is there a better place for you to give? Have you figured it out? You say, I'm going to give to the ice bucket challenge. And I did that too. I'm happy to do that. Is that a more secure way to give? Have you ever run a nonprofit that received $120 million in one month and its last annual budget was $68 million? Does anybody have concerns that that organization is going to have to ramp up in some kind of extraordinary way to use our gifts properly and effectively? Yeah, they're going to. That's an overwhelming amount of money. Everybody who distributes funds has the same angst and the same challenges. But in this congregation, you meet the people, you know what we're doing. You engage yourself in the work. Your hands and your feet can follow the money that you give, and you can be involved in the ministries that you support through your gift. I'm telling you, you know your house of worship. And there's really not a more secure place that you can give than here, where the budget is set by the people in the pews. And the salaries are set by the people in the pews. And we check it carefully. And we do our work with a, with a sense of great responsibility. And you participate in the work. Young people, the church of Jesus Christ may have a black eye in your opinion. Maybe you're one of those who got hurt in the church and you're disappointed with the church. And now you're wondering if the church holds a place. The church was loved by her Lord. Jesus loved the church, the scripture says, and he gave himself for the church that he might gather to himself a people. Did Jesus not know what failings the church would have? He knew. He knew what difficulties. He knew the church would have human preachers who made mistakes just like me. And yet he gave himself for the church and he loved the church. I challenge you to love the church, to care for the church because the church is the gospel propagator in this community and around the world. Its foundation is the good news of Jesus Christ. Its calling and mission is to introduce people to Jesus at home and abroad. Give through 
your church. Send the gospel forth. David Platt is the new director of the International Mission Board. I love David Platt. We know him. We are personally connected to him. He came and did his seminary work right here at New Orleans Baptist Seminary, and now he is the president of the International Mission Board. And we support that board. In fact, we know many missionaries, including those I just mentioned, who are going to be part of that mission enterprise that sends people to 160-plus countries in the earth. And I'm excited about David going to the helm of that because he's the guy that wrote Radical. And you know what Radical is about? Putting it all in. Everything. Not surrendering to the American dream, but surrendering to the gospel and the call of Christ on your life. And being a person who does all things for the sake of the gospel. And I'm excited about him. So what I want to do with our special gift on September 28th, this is what we're going to do. We're going to give an extra tithe on September 28th. We're receiving our money in motion offering. And we're going to divide it between the budget of our church and our global impact offering, which gives 45% to foreign missions and other mission enterprises as well. Global impact needs our support. So I want you to think about it, okay? I want you to give a special offering on September 28th as an expression of love. Make it a thanksgiving offering to the Lord and think about how you would like to give it. And if you would like to support this family that is leaving our congregation to go to this strange place that I just mentioned, then give to that global impact offering. And let's see what God can do. As we have a new director and a younger generation he's going to mobilize, let's send our dollars to see the gospel spread around the world and to see our Christ Jesus made known to the nations. I'm excited about it. Jesus said to that rich young ruler who wanted to know how to inherit eternal life, well, what do you think you ought to do? You have the commandments. And he said, I've kept them from my youth. And then Mark records in Mark chapter 10 that Jesus looked at him and loved him. He loved him. And that's when he said, put in everything. The Lord Jesus loves you more than you know. Passionate love of God for you. And it's why the Lord Jesus says, deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. Put in everything. Fundamentally, when God has everything, the week-by-week -week giving is a cheerful demonstration of thanksgiving for all that he's done and a true act of worship on your behalf. Let's bow together. Maybe there's a very personal prayer you need to pray to God now. Maybe this is something you've been wrestling with. Would you just talk to God about your responsibility before him, what he's calling you to do? Lord, thank you for a church that demonstrates the gospel in so many ways. Thank you for people who are eager to serve at the feeding stations and in the prison and nursing home and all around this community. Thank you, God that you give us resources to invest in kingdom purposes. 
Thank you, Lord, for this widow who expressed her love for you at the temple that day by giving those two coins. Thank you that her gift is highlighted. Lord, we pray that as we give unto you, it will be a true expression of our heartfelt thanks and acknowledgement that we have put it all in and a joyful proclamation of the gospel around the world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.